Welcome to the Creek with Church podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our new free app, which is the best way to listen to messages and keep up with everything happening at Creekwood Church. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. We've been in this series called Back Porch Conversations, and uh, we are going to look today at Nehemiah chapter 2, Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, if you want to turn there. And... Um, um, just before we read this scripture, let me just kind of set this passage up. A lot of you maybe are not familiar with the book of Nehemiah. Maybe you've never read uh, the book and you're really not that familiar with it. And so for, for you to be able to have the context of what this scripture is about, let me just kind of share some things with you. The book of Nehemiah is written by a guy named Nehemiah. And uh, he's a Jew and um, his hometown is, his home is Jerusalem, and, um, but he's in another city working. He's in the palace of a king that is not his king. He's in a foreign land. He's working for the king of Persia, and he, his job for the king in this foreign land is he's the cupbearer, and he serves the king as the, as the cupbearer, and um, Nehemiah is serving in a foreign land. He's working for the king, and he starts to hear different things about his home town and, and where he grew up, and he's so sentimental about it. He hears about it, and it's just breaking his heart. He's so upset about it and how it's been destroyed and that the walls are destroyed, and he, he hears all about that, and this is where we, we get to in the story in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1, it says, In the month of Nisan, in other words, basically it says like an equivalent to that would be in the month of November, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And just stop for there, stop there just a moment and let me explain that to you. Just a little bit of explanation here. In that day, when you worked for the king as the cupbearer, you were never to show, uh, like if you were upset or anything, you, you just had to be really happy all the time. This was not like he's a server, like for example, like you're going to a restaurant today, maybe you're going to Poncho's, I don't know where you're going today. Does anybody go to Poncho's anymore? Poncho's used to be good. Y'all remember the little flag? That was a good thing. Some of y'all are like, y'all are too uptown, like y'all need to remember the days when there was Poncho's. Maybe you're going, maybe not to Poncho's, I don't know where you're going. But you go to a restaurant and the, the server's in a bad mood and you're like, oh man, this guy's like, like, who knows what he's going to do to our food because he's in such a bad mood. I'm going to go complain to the manager. This is not like that. This is a lot more serious. In that day, the server of the king, the cupbearer, could not ever show sadness. This is why when you, when you hear him in that passage a minute ago, he said, I had, I had never been sad before the king. He's never been sad before. 
before the king. In verse 2, it says, I was very much afraid. In verse 3, notice this. He says, but. He says, I was really afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. In other words, this is not about you, king. I love you and I respect you. Then he says this, why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? And I can imagine, he's, it says he's afraid and he's never been sad before. And now all of a sudden the king's asking him, well, what is it that you want? And he's like, dear God, help me at this moment. And that's what he says. Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in the sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with a queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you come back? So it pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. In other words, Nehemiah, is, this is what's going through his heart when he writes this. I am really glad that I had the courage to go into this conversation because it turned out really, really well for me. I'm I'm really, really glad that I had this conversation where I was able to be honest. I was afraid of the consequences. But I'm really glad that I had the boldness and the courage to be honest because through my honesty, it brought about some incredible things in my life. You know, you think about a lot, of, a lot of the things that we've done. A lot of y'all are just getting back from vacation. And uh, isn't it true when we go on vacation, it's like we lose our mind when it comes to food? <laughs> like most of us, like we eat carrots. And, like a lot of us do. We, <laughs> some people do. Uh, we eat really healthy. When you go on vacation, you just, especially if you go to those places all-inclusive or whatever, you just kind of like, you lose your mind. You eat everything. My wife and I are that way. And when we go on vacation, like, you got to know we're foodies. We love food. And, and we plan it. We work on it. We, like, strategize before we ever go. And this, this couple weeks ago, my wife and I went to uh, Charleston, and how many of you know if you want good food, you got to go to the south? Amen. Up north, they really don't know how to eat right. <laughs> but welcome to Texas. But you got to go. If you want to eat God's food, you got to go to the south. And we're so excited about it. My, I'm telling you, my wife has been doing research. We've been getting online, looking at all these places, talking to friends. We're so excited about going. We're going to go to a different restaurant every single day, every meal. We're going to be sitting at different tables and all these tables that we're going to get to eat this incredible food. And the first place we went to that we were like, we're going to try this place. It's called Pages Okra Grill. How many of you know it's of God if it's got okra in the name? <laughs> Pages Okra Grill. And the food was of God. Like it was so good it'd make you slap your grandma. It was good. Don't slap your grandma. Um, 
let me show you some pictures real quick here. This food was so, so good. Like chicken and waffles. Like, oh my word, it felt good, y'all. We, we ate like, like little piglets. We were just like, we love this. And you know what? We're going to keep on showing these pictures while I'm talking just to kind of get you hungry. The next day, we're like excited. We get the list out. And I told my wife, I said, you know, Paige's okra grill sure was good. Like, why would we try any of these other places? (laughs) If that place was so good. And I'm ashamed to tell you that almost every meal when we were in Charleston, we ate at Paige's okra grill. We just found our way back to that place, and we'd be sitting at this table going, what are we doing here? But it was good. We loved eating there. Until the last day, the last morning, we finally broke down, and we said, on the way to the airport, let's try something new. We're going to try to go sit at a different table and try to figure out another, go to a different restaurant. And we ended up going to this place called Early Bird Cafe. Oh, my word. The grits were so good. Like I wanted to eat two or three portions of grits because it was so good. And you know, it really made me think about that so many of us, we find something we're comfortable with. We sit at certain tables. And this summer, you've been sitting at a lot of tables, having a lot of conversations. We find these different tables and we're kind of comfortable and we're not willing to kind of move on to another table in another place. And we don't really realize that we're missing out on something great. And today I want to talk to you about a table that I think that a lot of us are avoiding because we have these places, these tables that we sit at in our life that we have conversations that we're comfortable at. But we're not willing to move into. But listen, this table that I'm going to talk to you about today, it's a must for your life. And it is the table of truth. This table, is, it's the table of truth, and this, I know it's a little bit hard to see because it's black and the stage is black, but just work with me. It's up here, I promise. <laughs> this table of truth, it's, it's, it's a table that we don't like to go to, but it's important. And at this table, there are two chairs. There are two seats. One seat is the seat of the truth teller. At the table of truth, there are two seats. One seat is the the seat of the truth teller, and this is a seat that we really don't like to go to again. This is a hard seat to sit in. We avoid it. It's risky. A lot of us, we've sat sat in this seat before, and you've tried to tell the truth, and and when I talk about, listen, when I say speak the truth and, and sitting at the seat of being a truth teller, I'm not talking about so much that you are confessing some deep, dark secret in your life. I'm, I'm talking about really being in a relationship that you sit at the table of truth where you're speaking the truth. And you're able to talk openly about your relationship. You're openly able to talk as a boss to your employee. You're openly able to talk to your student, your, your son, your daughter, and this is a, a chair, again, we don't like to sit in it because it's, it is risky. We've had relationships like we've tried to, to, to be truthful and talk about 
things in, that were bothering us, that were the truth, and that were, like we see in other people and our close friendships and sitting at the table of truth. And this is a hard one. And we don't like to sit in this one. And we try to avoid it. This other seat is the, the seat of the truth here. And we're a lot more anxious to get in this one at first. And the reason why is, for example, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I've got something really, really important to tell you, and it's really, really important, and I need to talk to you about it, and it's really, really serious, but we're not going to, I can't talk to you till next month about it. Like, you're like, what? We're talking about it right now. How many of you are like that? Like, we're not playing games, y'all. Like, I want to talk about it right now. We're really anxious to sit in the seat of the truth here. But most of us don't want to sit it, stay in that seat for very long because this is the seat we get offended. This is the seat we bow up in. This is the seat we get defensive. We, we, uh, when somebody tries to tell us the truth about something in our life, this is where we jerk up real fast and we're like, well, you know. And listen, I struggle with this. I'm talking about it because this has been an area of my life. When my wife sometimes, and she's sitting in this seat and she's telling me about something, I'm like, Man, well, she's telling me, you know, you don't close, like, y'all know I'm a fellow struggler about closing cabinets. And I leave every, I have a bad habit of not closing the cabinets, and my wife's like telling me you need to, and I'm like, I get defensive, I'm like, well, you're, you're family. Well, your brother, your mama, and we get out of that seat real quick because we get defensive. Now, let me just say this about the table of truth. The parameter of relationships, this is not just two, just very few. This affects every relationship in your life. Nehemiah is, is he's sitting in the, the seat of the, of the truth teller. He's having to speak the truth about what he feels and what's bothering him. The king and queen are in the seat of, of the seat of the truth hearer. And they're having to have this conversation at the table of truth. And this parameter, again, it affects all kinds of different relationships. Uh, it happens between um, teachers and students. We've got a lot of students, a lot of coaches here. It happens between students, teachers and students. It happens between teachers and parents of students. And teachers will tell you a lot of times that some of the hardest conversations they have to have with parents of students is when they have to sit at the truth table. And the the parent, the teacher has to sit at the chair of being the, the truth teller to the parent of Joey. And they're talking to him and the the parent of Joey is sitting over here trying to listen, and all of a sudden, they're not staying in this seat very long because they're like, not my Joey. Getting quiet in here. And some of the most awkward, listen, this happens lots of places. This happens between coaches and students. That coaches try to sit at the table of truth with, with students, or they try to sit with the Parents of students, a coach try to talk to a parent of a student, and these are tough ones. Because a parent 
of a student is, is like, well, coach, I want to know why my son's on third string. And coach is over here and saying, well, sir, the reason Joey's on third string is that we don't have a fourth string. Because Joey is slow. Joey can't play ball. I'm telling you, this is a table we don't want to sit at. And we fight it. But I want you to hear me when I say this. There are victories in your life. There are levels that God wants to take you to that you will never, ever reach until you're willing to sit at the table of truth. There are breakthroughs that are coming in your life. See, this is hard, and listen to me. I, I believe that this is um, why marriages are dead. This is why... Um, a lot of us are stuck in our job, and we're like, we're hating our job, and we're coming home, and we're complaining about our boss. We're complaining about our, 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 the company we work for, but, man, there, there's no way our boss can sit at the table of truth and tell us that we are a jerk and that we're toxic to the team. And you're not experiencing the, the changes that need to take it place in your life because you're not having conversations at the table of truth. Listen to me. The conversation, one of the most powerful conversations you can have in your life is to sit at the table of truth. It will change your life. Let me give you some just real practical things that I'd like for you to write down. If you're taking notes, I want you to write it down. If you're not taking notes, I want you to write it down today. Um, the, the first one in this may seem elementary, but really, how can we sit at the table um, and, and walk away stronger? Number one, I think you've got to remind yourself, know that great things happen when people make the decision to be honest. And, and I'm, I'm just, I want to repeat that because I think it's so important. Too many of us, we don't believe this. We think that only bad things happen at, the, at that table. And only bad things happen when we're honest and and uh, again, we avoid it, we avoid it, we avoid it, and we just kind of learn to, to, to live with it. And I just want to tell you that, that when you start to think about your life, the rewards um, versus the risk, yes, it's risky to sit at that table and to be honest about what you're going through, what's happening in your life. Um, yes, it's risky, but listen to me, the rewards far outweigh the risk. And we've got to begin to change our, our mindset about and just to begin to think that it's just a bad thing to be honest and have honest conversation because it never goes well. And I'm not sitting at that table anymore. And I don't want to talk, you know, and I'm, again, we don't do it. Listen, this has never been about trying to be perfect when, when you're having that conversation and, and sitting at the truth table. This has always been about are, are you daring enough and courageous enough to risk um, being honest, knowing that as like Nehemiah risked everything to be honest and 
To me, it's one of the most amazing, listen, it is one of the most amazing stories that has ever happened, all because one man decided to be honest. It's one of the most incredible stories in the Bible, because a king and a queen decided to sit at the, at the seat of, the, of, of being a truth here, and they listened to the truth, and they, man, they got behind him with this. Ephesians 4.14 says this, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. And stop right there. It says, if you want to underline in your Bible or you highlight in your Bible, it says, speaking the truth in love, you will grow. Speaking the truth in love, you will grow. You will never grow spiritually in your life unless you have people around you speaking the truth in love. Some of the greatest breakthroughs again in your life are going to happen because you humble yourself enough to listen to people and let them speak into your life. There are higher levels of maturity, higher levels of possibility. Listen, we have to change our mindset about this table. At this table, there are great wins for your life. At this table, sitting in these chairs, there are great wins that are going to come to your marriage. There are great wins that are going to come to your relationship with your son and, and, and your daughter. There are great wins that are going to happen for you in your career, in your job, whatever you do. There are great things that are going to happen. So begin to change your mindset when it comes to sitting at that table. Number two, don't wait until you're in a huge crisis, to be honest. Don't wait till you're in a huge crisis, to be honest. It's like we have to practice going to the table before we get to the, the, the crisis. Isn't it true that most of the time, the only time people are honest is when they're in a, their life blows up? When their marriage is like, we're about to sign the divorce papers and then you decide to be honest. And, and it's like... Sitting at that table then becomes an awkward thing. And listen, we got to practice it. And you got to start practicing even with the little things. Like maybe the way you sit at the table of truth is, is you sit at, in this seat of being the truth teller and you start with good stuff. I know that sounds a little like, well, that's a no-brainer. But a lot of people struggle speaking the truth about how they feel. And what you appreciate, maybe at your job, you begin to speak truth to your boss and say, I really appreciate that you take care of us. Or you speak to your son or your daughter and you try to find, maybe there is a 17-year-old guy that like, you're like, I don't know whose boy that is, but he's not my boy. Because he's acting so crazy, find something good to say. And start with the little things. You know, one of the things that, that pastors and counselors will tell you that most of the time when it's a big old crisis, when people are heading to divorce or people are heading into a major, major issues in their life, it's because they waited too long. They neglected the small things. They didn't sit at the table and see, again, part of practicing, and I want to just kind of give you this example, even in your marriage, 
Practicing being at that table with the little things, it's so important. Some of you don't dare talk about the things that bother you about your spouse. Like, like for example, you know, some of you, like, maybe your wife is, and there are a lot of men in here, you can't respond to me because I know you're nervous right now. <laughs> but there are things that your wife does that you're, like, she wears some slippers that you hate. It's a little thing, and, and you're like, those slippers, I don't like those because they remind me of my mama. And I don't want my wife reminding me of my mama. There's nothing sexy about those slippers. That mumu you wear is like, oh, my word. But it's all inside your mind because you don't dare sit at the seat of being a true teller. Because you've tried a little bit, and man, it's like you try to speak the truth, and they're sitting at the seat of the truth here, and they're like, well, what? You know, some of you, you're like, there's ladies in here that you're like, you really want to kiss your husband? But his breath stinks so bad. But you don't dare tell him, hey. I really want to kiss you, but when I kiss you, it's like I'm kissing a, a donkey. Because <laughs> your breath is kicking. You need a, a, a mint or something or go drink a bottle of Listerine. It's the truth. Practice the little things. Now, listen, I know you're like, why is that important? Why is it important to practice? So, and ladies, we could talk all day long about all this stuff. I mean, we could be here all day about the stuff your husband does. All day. All day. And you know what happens is most, most of us in our relationships, we refuse to sit at the table of truth, and we just kind of let it go. And why is this important? It's because if you, don't, if you don't sit at the table of truth, this is why affairs happen. If you're not, not willing to sit at that table of truth, listen, the greatest, it's beyond anything you could ever dream, the kind of marriage you could have if you guys will be willing to sit at the table of truth and start talking honestly. This isn't about let's sit around and rip each other up. This is about being honest and love and speaking the truth to each other about, hey, you know what, babe, I love you, but you know, when you come home at seven o'clock every day, it doesn't communicate that you love me. And being willing to, see, what, what happens is, is that a lot of us are unwilling to sit at the table of truth. And so what happens is we've got this pseudo-communication going on. Everybody, we're sitting around in this room, and everybody sees the elephant in the room, but nobody wants to talk about the elephant in the room. It's, we have to begin, th th this happens, man, this is so big, and, and a, lo a lot of us, even as individuals, some of you are like, you know what, I want to grow, and but every job, I can't keep jobs, and, and I, I'm not getting promotion, and I don't know what i got to do to get promoted. Maybe the reason you're not getting promoted is you don't ever want to sit at the table of truth. And where you're able to, to listen to and, and have your boss speak into your life and tell you all of these different things in your life. Parents, I, I can't say this enough to you. You, you gotta, 
you've got to find a way to sit at the table of truth with your kids. This is so important, and this leads me to the, the next area. It's make it safe. Help people know it's safe for them to be honest with you. Um, again, this, this is just, this is so hard because you know what? We've been in that place where you start to, like, you know, like, how many of you know you're, like, there are some people, like, you don't know if it's safe or not to talk to them about the truth about their life. Because usually they blow up, they get defensive. And man, I, I, there's been so many times that I'm like, where did that come from? Or I did something and it, it caused a reaction that I'm like, oh my word, I, like this happened to me again on vacation um, a couple weeks ago on our way to Charleston. We were on this plane. I'm not going to tell you the airlines because I don't want to knock any airlines, but they fly out of Love Field. I'd never fly this airlines, but my wife got a good deal. It was cheap, and so we were going on this, and, and we're on there, and I'm, we're having a good time. We're with some friends, and we're, like, kicking back. We're all laughing, and when the, the, the flight attendant walked up to us, she, I was thinking she was asking people, what do you want to drink and what kind of chips you want? Well, they don't give chips away anymore, but I, I'm like, oh, cool. This airline gives away chips. This is cool. I like this. What? Well, she wasn't giving away chips, but anyways, when she gets up, she leans her arm on the on the, the 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 seat in front of me, and I'm like, you know, like telling her I wanted water, and I I, I tapped her on the arm, and I said, "What kind of chips do you do you have?" And she yelled out, "Don't touch me!" I'm not like I'm not yelling loud enough. Like she yelled it out, like, "Don't touch me!" I don't like it when people touch me. People can assault you on the plane. And I don't know where, she's talking really loud. Everybody around, I'm getting embarrassed. She's like, I don't know where people's nasty hands are. I mean, I was embarrassed. Y'all are kind of feeling awkward. I was feeling awkward too. <laughs> and my wife, bless her little heart, leans over to her and she said, it's okay, my husband's a pastor. He's not gonna hurt you. I look at her and I go, thanks a lot. Why'd you tell this lady I'm a pastor? Like, I don't want to, I, like, I was like, why? I'm, she's talking so loud. And again, I don't know the rules on this airline. And a little later on, um, we're, we're keeping going on. And I had to go to the bathroom. I get up and I'm like, you know, on American Airlines, you can just go and stand in line to use the bathroom. Not on this airline. And I didn't know it, that if the light is not green, you don't go. If it's not green, it means somebody's on the toilet. Well, I got up, and the flight attendant's over in her little cubbyhole. You know where they go hide? She's over there, like, I don't know what she's doing, but I'm walking up real nice and carefully, walking up, and she leans and puts her head around the corner, and she goes, Pastor, get back to your seat. <laughs> I'm like, I'm killing my wife. Why did she tell her that I'm a pastor? My word. We need to make it, listen, I know we, you never know. And, and listen to me. A lot of us, this is what we communicate. We are like 
full of venom. We are defensive. We are angry. Anytime anybody brings up anything to us about us, we get defensive. And listen to me. You need to make it safe for people to be able to speak into your life. One of the greatest things that you can do is is make it safe for your boss. Oh, my word. Make it safe. You need to sit at, at the seat and, and look at your boss when he's sitting at the, at the seat of truth teller and say, if you see anything about me, you see any attitudes, you see anything about my countenance, would you please, like, speak into me? Do you know that you need to say that? Because they're, they're, I know some of you are, have bosses that are going to just tell you, but for the most part, when you really get the deep, deep, like, Deep coaching, people speaking into your life. It's what you got to make it safe for people. Some of you right now are, do you know our friends have tremendous, tremendous uh, potential to help us change our lives? But too many of us are, are in friendships that we haven't made it safe for them to really speak. Like, they're scared to death to tell you the truth about, like, you're, you're, you're going around talking bad about your husband all the time or you got this attitude about you or you're gossiping or whatever and they're scared to call you out because if they call you out, it's gonna destroy the friendship. Would you make it safe for people? You gotta invite people. Listen, I, I wanna, let me, let me just say this to the students in here because we got a, Creekwood has got a, a lot, a lot of uh, students at Creekwood. Kids, and I, mean, I know you may not like it when people call you kids because you're 18 now, you're an adult. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. you're not an adult yet. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm 18, I get to do whatever I want to. One of the greatest things you can do in your life is to make it safe for your parents to speak into your life. Oh, my word. Make it safe for your parent to speak into your life about the boy you're dating or the girl you're dating. Man, Listen, this room is full of people that wish they would have listened because they got all kinds of exes. They're like, what was I thinking? I wish somebody would have told you. Your parents see the truth. And you may not think that they care about you, but they care. They want you to succeed. Make it safe for your parents to sit at the table of truth and say, Dad, what do you think about her? Like, don't just tell me what I want to hear. Tell me the honest truth. What do you really, really think that she is, is, is a great girl for me? Make it safe. Make it safe for your parents to speak into your life about your friendships, to say, you know what, can I talk to you a little bit about this? But parents, let me say this to you, because there are going to be moments that your son or your daughter is going to be sitting in the truth teller seat, and they're going to, you want them talking to you about it. And you want them, but sometimes they're going to say stuff that you're going to say, Dad, you know, your temper and how, how you get upset and what you do and our, it, it, like, it, it's just, and everything within you is going to go, well, I'll rip your head off if you talk to me again like that. I know some of y'all like that. That's not politically correct anymore. But all the older people in here remember our parents saying that. <laughs> Don't get, you're shutting down that table. The table of truth, it's a powerful place, whether it's in your friendships, your relationship, and your kids, or your marriage. You got to go to that table. You're missing out on an incredible thing in your life. And maybe it's just 
Part of making it safe, again, is, is just having that conversation to say, it's, it's going to be okay. And listen, I'm telling you, there have been times my wife has started to talk to me about stuff, and I want to bow up, and I want to get defensive, and all that stuff. But I keep thinking about this, and this has been something God's been speaking to me so much about, is, is Nehemiah had the courage to be honest and to speak the truth and king and the queen listened, and it, man, it is, the story's incredible what happened. The table of truth. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you this morning for everything that, God, you do in our lives. And Lord, I know that you have so much more for our lives, and I pray that, God, you would help all of us, God. Help all of us to have the courage and God, despite the risk to sit down and have honest conversations at the table of truth. May we sit at the table and speak the truth. And may we listen, God. Father, give us the courage to sit at this table of truth. We thank you, God. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we would love to have you engage in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.